0: this evening to be in the house of God, to hear God's word. I am. um, I tell you, I've been getting more and more fired up with our teaching on the Holy Spirit and uh, what we've been saying and where we've been going. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about it today as I was studying. It's really awesome timing um, because, you know, You know, I I had said, and and I've made reference probably almost every single service since January 1st, that, uh, you know, this time of year is when people are, uh, you know, making changes in their life. They're looking into their lives and saying, you know, what do I want to change? What do I want to add? What do I want to take away? Uh, What do I want to correct? What do I want to be better at? And, um, you know, we addressed that on January 1st, talking about what's the difference 2012, what's the difference going to be? And um, the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us make those choices. The Holy Spirit has been placed within our life um, to do that. Last week we saw that the Holy Spirit is placed in our lives for three reasons one, to help us make choices that bring us, uh, that help us walk out godly character. The Holy Spirit is in your life to help you walk in love with people that you don't want to walk in love with. The Holy Spirit is in your life to help you uh, have joy in frustrating situations. The Holy Spirit is in your life to have peace when anxiousness and worry wants to come upon you. That's why the Holy Spirit's in your life, to help you bring that from the inside out. Uh, the second thing that the Holy Spirit helps you with is he helps us make, des- make decisions, make, make choices. That help us walk out God's plan for our life. We all have a will. We all have a purpose. or We all have God's will and God's purpose for our life. And the Holy Spirit is in us to show us God's will and his purpose. Remember, he'll show us things to come. He's in our future. And he's there to help you make those choices, to help you walk that out. Because there are times where God's will is not the easiest thing to do. Period. Period. you look at Abraham, we talked about Abraham on Sunday, and we said that the, you, know, you go to the first time you see Abraham in the Bible, God's telling him, get out of everything you know. Get out of your house, leave your lands, leave your kids, leave your families, uh, leave your uh, cattle, leave the, your employees, leave your employers, leave it all behind, and go to a land that I will show you. He didn't even say, go to this specific land. You know, Some of us just have a hard time when God tells us to go from point A to point B. But how about when he says, leave point A, and then I'll show you where point B is as you go. Now I mean, now we're talking faith. And the Holy Spirit's in your life to help you make those choices to say, you know what? I will leave it all behind. I will do what you're asking me to do because I'm going to pursue your purpose. Okay? So we, we saw those things that, that the Holy Spirit is in our life to help us make choices. Our lives are choice-driven. Our lives are based upon decisions daily. Am I going to do this or am I going to do that? Am I going to go here or am I going to go there? Am I going to stop doing this or am I going to start doing that? It's all choice driven. And as many times as we want to, uh, you know, throw out there that, you know, God's in control and whatever God does and we just want to pray and wish and hope all day, uh, praying and wishing and hoping doesn't bring change. Praying, wishing and hoping gives you guidance and, I mean, you got to have hope. Without hope, you stop. Hope keeps you moving forward. Prayer is receiving God's guidance for your life. But then we have to do something with that. We have to now walk up those steps and when we pray and then God starts showing us, okay, you want to get this accomplished, let's stop doing this. And so then we stop doing that and let's pursue this. God never t- pulls you out of one place and then doesn't bring you somewhere else. Amen. Um, you know, I have a hard time with people that say, you know, God's just telling us to leave, leave your church, but then don't end up back in church or end up in a church that's, that's not on the level that we know they're at. Uh, you know, i got a hard time with that. How, how, God does not call you out of somewhere to take you to nowhere. We just saw with Abraham, although how vague it was, he had a direction and a purpose for his life. The Israelites, when they came out of Egypt, were supposed to go to the promised land. And what you do in the wilderness is up to you. And how long you spend in that wilderness. That was an 11-day trip that took 40 years. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend 40 years doing an 11-day trip. Let me just get through my transition and go on. And, um, you know, it's not always about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about what am I going to learn on the way there. And some of us just spend circles on the journey. And the journey's not taking us to where we're supposed to go. So the Holy Spirit is in our lives to, to do this. And the way that we get clued in on what the Holy Spirit wants is building a relationship. We started this whole thing out, and I'm starting to get more clarity. When I got into the, the Holy Spirit series, I didn't have a whole lot of clarity where it was going, to be honest with you. I just knew this is where we needed to go. The timing was great here at the beginning of the year, talking about change and talking about the different things that we're talking about. And it just seemed perfect the timing has just worked out perfect that look in our own lives the changes we want to bring comes about by allowing the holy spirit to work in us but the first thing we started out with was the holy spirit is a person it's not a presence not a feeling not an emotion he is a person and anytime uh you want to get something from a person you have to build a relationship with them um and you know we also saw that god has Uh, given us the Holy Spirit in the earth to know God and to know His will and to know His purpose. Um, God is in heaven. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father who is in heaven. So they're both in heaven. Who's on the earth with us? The Holy Spirit. And that's the one person we'd probably talk about the least. And that's probably the one person of the Trinity that we misinterpret or are misled on what the Holy Spirit's all about. The Holy Spirit has become this, uh, you know, this feeling or this presence or this power in our lives. And so all we want is the feeling. All we want is the presence. All we want is the power. And we never want to get to know the person that brings all that. Uh, you know, we've been talking recently about how the Holy Spirit is not given to us to make us look awkward and embarrass us. There are a lot of people that shy away from talking about the Holy Spirit or wanting to know anything about the Holy Spirit because the representation they have seen is the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and makes you do all weird things and makes you roll around on the floor and laugh uncontrollably and shout at the top of your lungs and just look stupid in front of everybody. And that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't possess you. The Holy Spirit requires you to yield to Him. And so we're having to reinterpret some things and we're having to look at some stuff. Um, And so I'm really excited about where we're going, and um, every week it's just getting better and better. Um, Last week, last week we talked about um, the great dilemma. We started getting into uh, this flesh versus spirit battle. um, Because the reason we have to go here is because the whole reason we have trouble yielding to the Holy Spirit it's because we are in this flesh suit, this vessel, this vehicle that we are required to be in to operate. Remember, we said that your spirit has no access in the earth without a flesh. Okay, You lose your flesh, where does your spirit go? One of the two, heaven or hell. Okay, You don't have your spirit, who you really are. Right now, I'm not talking to Nikki and Cindy and Chuck and Shane. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the spirit man inside of you. That's just the vessel uh, that is containing the spirit. Okay? When God created Adam, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. But that dust didn't do anything until God breathed the breath of life into him. Okay? So the Holy Spirit has teamed up with your spirit now. If, you're, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has come into your life. And now you are working in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Except... Our flesh, we just saw, has its own natural desires. Remember we said in Kingdom Mind Renewal, that when you are born again, the event of salvation, how many of you can remember the day you got born again? How many of you can remember the day you went down to the altar, or you said the prayer, or you remember the person who prayed it with you? I mean, some people remember the time, some people remember the day, some people uh, have it written down in their Bibles, the whole thing. That's the event. Salvation. And... How many of us wish that everything really changed about us? But there's only one of the three that we're made of that changed. Our spirit. Now, the thing that is terrible is now our spirit's way down behind all this junk. You've got to get past your flesh, you've got to get past your soul realm, your mind, and your, your will, and your emotions. You've got to get past all that, and then buried down in there is your spirit. That's who should be controlling this whole vessel. That's who should be controlling this whole vehicle. Okay? And so last week we saw that Paul talked about a dilemma that he had. And we saw in Romans chapter 7 that he says, I want to do this, but I do this. And I don't want to do this, but I do this. And although I will to do this, I still do this. Right? And he's talking about the struggle, the daily, everyday struggle from the time you wake up in the morning of, I want to put this down, but my flesh wants to do this so bad, right? And so we need to learn to be led by the Spirit, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is who is inside of us telling our spirit, you can do this, and you can do that. He's an encourager, he's an edifier. The Holy Spirit is within you. Uh, A lot of us call it a conscience. You know, my conscience is really convicting me right now. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you shouldn't have talked to her that way. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you probably should have turned that off. That's the Holy Spirit saying, we probably shouldn't have gone there. Okay? The Holy Spirit's within you directing your life. But your flesh still has has its natural desires. And so we saw that a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers stop there. We're just all, we just all have this struggle. There's nothing we can do about it. And sometimes you're going to sin, and sometimes you're going to fail. And I said on Sunday, I don't talk about failure a lot. You know why? Because everybody's talking about failure. Everybody, everything in the world tells you you're not always going to get it right. You're not going to be perfect. We're not going to make the right decisions all the time. Shouldn't we at least be able to come to church and hear that you are a child of God and you have the ability within you to make right choices? Wouldn't, why wouldn't we want to focus on that? But a lot of people want to stay uh, in what they call humility. And I'm not real big on the humble message. Now, I'm not saying that I'm proud and arrogant, because there's a difference. There is a difference between being confident and being arrogant. But I'm about being confident, because if you read about Paul, He was a confident person. He was a very confident person. Paul was all about uh, telling you that you are victorious. You are an overcomer. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? He He has verses. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Why is he doing that? Because there's enough in the world trying to tell you that you can't make it and you can't do it. Now, am I saying you're never going to sin? No, I didn't say that. But you know what? The Bible does say that we can be perfect, but that word perfect isn't what we think perfect is. That word perfect means mature. That perfect means grown up. And we saw a few weeks ago that maturity is being able to make decisions on your own. See, a lot of people come to church, and a lot of people um, go to ritualistic churches and churches with a lot of rules and churches with a lot of uh, you know do this and do this and don't do this because they got to have rules from the outside but see right now my son he's starting to he's one years old now he just turned one on Monday and he's starting to understand no and he's starting to understand when I tell him to do something if I say come here he'll start to crawl to me if I say no don't touch that he'll Still do it, so we're working on that. <laughs> uh, but he's starting to understand command. But does he have the ability within himself to know to do that? No. No. Why? He's immature. He's a baby, and so as a baby in Christ, we don't have the ability to make those decisions on our own. So we have pastors, and we we have accountable people around us that we're accountable to, and. And, and, and leadership that we get under godly leadership to help us, hey, you know, as a believer we don't do that. As a believer we don't, we don't say those things. As a believer we don't, we don't talk like that. But then as we grow and as we mature in the word, now you're able to gain a restriction from the inside that says you know what, I shouldn't do that so I'm not going to do it. That's called maturity. That's called maturity. That's called being able see, a 17 year old should not have to have me telling them, do not cross the street when cars are coming. I, I, Forty years old, you should be able to know, there's a car coming, I probably shouldn't go into the street. There's some maturity that has come up, right? But babies, six-year-old, a four-year-old, you're probably going to need to go ahead and let, hey, there's a car coming, let's not go in the street, it's dangerous. Let's wait, let's look both ways. But if I'm starting to tell a 20-year-old, don't cross the street, look both ways first, uh, then we're still immature, and it's the same way spiritually, okay? So we saw this dilemma last week, and this week, I want to talk about, I want to focus on um, what is in you that helps you overcome that dilemma, because I'm not going to stop at the dilemma. I said last week that a lot of pastors stopped there, and they just say, you know, well, just poor old us, you know, we, you know, sometimes we make wrong choices, and, you know, even though we, we want to do right, we're going to sin and live a pathetic little life. And, you know, I'm just not going to preach that. I'm not going to preach that because they stop at verse 24 and they don't go to verse 25. Because verse 24 says, O wretched man am I, who will deliver me from this bondage? Who will deliver me from this body, this flesh that just always wants to do what it wants to do? But then verse 25 says, thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have something that helps us get there. We have something within us that helps us make the right choice every time. So let's start here in uh, Luke chapter 17. (coughs) Luke chapter 17. I'm going to try to keep this short. I really don't have a whole lot of detail. Um, So we're just going to be led by the Spirit uh, tonight on what He wants to say. And I believe we can... Get out of here pretty quickly and and get the message across. Amen? Luke chapter 17, verse 20. uh, Jesus is speaking. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is, what? Within you. Within you. We don't look at this very often, but Jesus is actually making a reference here to the Holy Spirit. The kingdom within you. He is referencing the Holy Spirit. Here's what you have to understand about the Holy Spirit. We've already understood that He is a person. And remember we said in the very beginning that God is a king in heaven and He placed man on earth To rule an extension of his kingdom. God is not ruling the earth without man. God is not ruling the earth without using mankind. Okay? So, how does man know what God wants to do? The Holy Spirit. He put the Holy Spirit within man, and now the Holy Spirit becomes the go-between, becomes the communicator between the unseen realm and the seen realm, between God and man. So man rules, dominates, controls, manages the earth according to how God would do it by the Holy Spirit. Now we know that the Holy Spirit got removed from the earth. Sin took over. Sin nature took over. The earth became corrupt to where God said, you know what, I cannot even strive with man any longer. That word strive means abide. I can no longer keep my spirit in the earth. I have to remove it. But now Jesus is coming and he's saying the kingdom is within you. Here's how the kingdom comes within you. The Holy Spirit is a is a kingdom agent. He is a kingdom representative. Here's what you have to understand about a kingdom. And we'll just go ahead and put it as a king because the king is the highest form highest person in a a kingdom. Wherever the king goes, so goes his government. So goes his rule. So goes his kingdom. And that goes for every representative. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. That word ambassador, Paul wasn't just throwing out, uh, we are ambassadors. No, he came up with that term because he understands that this is a kingdom and an ambassador is a government person, is a political person. An ambassador represents the, the government from which they come from. We have ambassadors in other countries from the United States. Guess what? They are there representing the United States. They don't make decisions that the United States wouldn't make. They don't do things that the United States wouldn't do. Their culture isn't changed by the country that they're in. They operate according to United States culture, according to United States governments. The laws in the other countries have no effect on them because they are United States territory. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit is a kingdom agent, which means when the Holy Spirit comes within you, guess what else comes within you? The kingdom of God. Now, when I say the kingdom of God comes in you, here's what I mean. God's rule and authority. When I say the kingdom comes within you, I mean that God's rule and authority and his dominion now comes within you. What is that? That's simply knowing how to live according to his rules instead of our rules. That's knowing how to do things his way instead of doing things our way, okay? So this is what Jesus is stating when he says the kingdom of God is within you. He's saying my rule My authority, what I want to have done in the earth, is now within you. Let me put it this way. God is not getting His kingdom in the earth until He gets the kingdom in man. I'm going to say that again. God is not getting His kingdom in the earth until His kingdom is first in man. God's will is not done in the earth. How many of you remember in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born, angels come to shepherds uh, and are announcing his birth. And remember they said, glory to God in the highest, peace, no it says, on earth, peace, good will toward men. What's he saying? Why did he say toward men? Why didn't he just stop at, on earth, peace, on earth, goodwill. He said toward men, because he said, if I'm going to get peace and goodwill in the earth, i got to first get peace and goodwill inside of man. So if I can have God's peace residing in me, now I can carry God's peace to the world. If I can get the joy of the Holy Spirit inside me, then I can bring joy to my job. You see where we're going? If if I can bring uh." passion about God's worth inside of me, then I I can bring passion about God's word to everybody I'm around. If I can get the kingdom to operate within me, then I can get the kingdom to operate in my world. You see, we've lost this thing because the kingdom has always been this future thing. One day God's kingdom is going to come back. God is bringing his kingdom back. He will consummate his kingdom uh, finally and take over the entire world. That's what Revelations is all about. Okay? For a lot of people, Revelations is a scary book, and, and look at all this stuff that's going to happen on the earth. It's an exciting book for those who are in Him, for the church. That is one of the best books in the Bible. We get all you know, the, the numbers, and the demons, and the witches, and the. That's, that's for people that don't know Christ. But when you know Christ, it's exciting because you know His kingdom is finally coming to this earth. But. That's not what we're waiting for, because Jesus said, "My kingdom is within you, and you can affect your world, maybe not the entire world, maybe you can't keep a uh, maybe you can't keep all the trees from dying, and maybe you can't uh, keep all people from from dying, but in your world, you can cause the kingdom to come in your life, which means I don't have to be limited to the, how the world operates in finances because my guy's economy is, economy is limitless. There's no end to his supply. Okay, uh, I, I don't have to fight and argue with depression, even though everyone around me is depressed and sad, because I have the joy of the Lord. That's my strength. Okay, that, that's why He's always getting you to, no matter what's going on around you, because the kingdom's within you. You're not limited to this world. So the kingdom can operate within you. And then guess what? You get to show off the kingdom to everybody else that you come in contact with. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit, when He comes in your life, He brings the kingdom. And He brings God's rule and God's glory. That's why when He's speaking to you, and yes, He speaks... We don't need to over spiritualize it and say, you know, it's a big booming voice and the clouds separated and the lights came shining. When the Holy Spirit speaks, He just—it's a still small voice within you. It's just letting you know. I remember a few weeks ago, I called it red flags. I probably shouldn't do that. Probably should stop doing that. Probably should leave. Probably should close my mouth. That's just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's how the Holy Spirit directs, and He's not pushy. He's not going to scream at you. He's not going to yell at you. In fact, the more and more you keep doing what you're doing and don't obey him, he gets quieter and quieter and quieter. See, the devil gets louder and louder and louder. But the Holy Spirit gets quieter and quieter. Why? He's not a pushy person. You know why? Because God wants to know, do you love him? God wants to know, am I Lord? And love isn't isn't forced upon people. You want to find out if someone really loves you, just lay back and, and let them do things on their own. They don't try to force things. It's, Tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. No, if they love you, they'll do things on their own. They'll stay things on their own, right? Okay, so that's all that God's doing. The Holy Spirit is not going to push and force himself upon you. And he's not going to force his kingdom. But when he's given that direction, what's he doing? He's, he's showing you God's kingdom. Because that's his rule. Hey, in, in the kingdom of God, we don't do it that way. Hey, in, 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 in God's kingdom, uh, we, we act like this. In God's kingdom, we talk like this. In God's kingdom, we don't put that before our eyes. That's, that's all the Holy Spirit is doing. Okay? So the kingdom is within you. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. <coughs> Colossians chapter 3. The first thing you have to understand is the passages that I read from Paul that we're going to read today. He's talking to saved people. He's talking to people that are born again. He's talking to people that know Christ. He's talking to people that are in Christ. He's talking to people that have the Holy Spirit living within them. He's not talking to unsaved people. He's talking to people like me and you. We have asked Jesus Christ to come into our life. We've made him the Lord of our life. And now we need to walk out what he's asking us to do. So in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 he says if then you were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Real quick here I want to point this out. I was going to read the whole verse but I'll go ahead and point it out now. The word Christ means the anointing and the anointed one. The anointing and the anointed one. The anointing is a reference, again, to the Holy Spirit. Throughout the Bible, there are many references of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is likened to water. The Holy Spirit is likened to fire. The Holy Spirit is likened to oil. The Holy Spirit is likened to a dove. The Holy Spirit is also the kingdom within you. Uh, Anytime you see the anointing, that's the Holy Spirit in operation in your life. Jesus didn't do the things that he did because he was Jesus. Jesus did not do the things that he did on the earth just because he was Jesus. Jesus did what he did because he was anointed, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he was Jesus Christ. Christ was not his last name. It wasn't, you know, like Mark Brady, Jesus Christ, nice to meet you. It's just Jesus, okay? Christ was not his last name. Christ was, the, the title of saying Jesus, the anointed one. Okay? That's what a Christian is. If you call yourself a Christian, you are the anointed one. Christ-like. Like Like the anointing. That means the anointing is upon your life. The Holy Spirit is upon your life. So, he's saying here, if then you were raised with Christ, if then you were raised with the anointing, then seek those things that that are of above, Where Christ is. Seek the things that are above where your anointing is. Where the Holy Spirit is. And here's why. Next verse. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden in the anointing. Your life is hidden in the Holy Spirit. But he's still putting responsibility on us. You choose where you set your mind. You choose what you think about. You choose where your mind goes. See, this whole struggle, this whole dilemma of flesh versus spirit, this isn't something out here that we're battling. If you're battling an addiction, if you're battling uh, something that you know God's telling you to do or telling you not to do, you're not battling the thing. Your real battle is in here. Between what your spirit wants to do and between what your flesh wants to do. And your mind is stuck in the middle. Your mind is stuck in, do I give in to the flesh or do I give in to the spirit? Okay? So it's all about your mind. So what is he saying? Set your mind. Who's doing the setting? Notice the Holy Spirit is taking control of our brain. Taking control of our mind. And saying, you will think on the Bible. You will think good things. You will obey me. We just say he's not forcing. He doesn't force upon you. He is laying out that you have the choice. You do the setting. You set. Do I set my mind on the natural things? The natural desires that my flesh wants? Or do I set my mind on the spiritual things? The things that God wants? You set your mind. This is where the battle takes place. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Now Romans chapter 8 follows, it, it comes right out of where we were in, uh, last week in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7 is where we ran into uh, uh, the the whole great dilemma. Your flesh versus your spirit. Your flesh wants to do this, and your, your spirit wants to do this, and this great struggle that we're in. And remember I said last week that the Bible was not written in verse and chapter, chapter and verse. So we don't stop one thought in chapter 7 and go to a whole new thought in chapter 5. It flows right on into it. And so verses 1 through 4 of Romans chapter 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You, you don't live according to the law of the flesh, but you live according to the law of the Spirit. Okay. Now here is what he's stating here. In, uh, in chapter chapter 8, verse 5. Now he's outlining, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Notice he's, he's identifying a chain reaction. The way you live is determined by the way you think. The, your actions and your lifestyles is determined by what you're putting your mind on. The first thing that we have to deal with is our minds and what are we setting our minds on. If you're sick and you're battling sickness and you're just battling and battling and battling and you're having problem overcoming it, the first th- question I have to ask is, what are you doing? What are you listening to? What's feeding you? What, what report are you giving to, giving yourself to? That's the first thing I, the first thing I go with. Well, how, I, I don't go with, you know, how, how bad's the pain? How, how bad is the sickness? How long the doctors give you? How bad's the? I don't go there. That's all natural stuff, but the natural stuff has nothing on the spiritual stuff. But the problem is is I need to deal with what are you putting your mind on? Well, I'm, you know, I'm really, really struggling with you know, how I view myself, and just, you know, I, I have really bad insecurity, then are you getting in the word and saying, looking at what the Bible says about you? The Bible has a lot to say about you in Christ Jesus. It has nothing to say about my purpose being hindered by people. It has nothing to say about my purpose. Noah was the only one, the only one that agreed with God on building the ark. Noah didn't go out and say, all right, guys, God told me to build an ark. Let's take a vote. Who thinks I should do it? Not even his family. Not even his family had to agree with him. Your will and your purpose for your life does not require people to agree with you and doesn't require their opinion and doesn't require doesn't require them to come alongside you. Thank God if they do, but if they don't, guess what? Still doing God's will. You won't see. God gave instructions to one person. God gave God didn't pull Abraham's whole family inside and said, Alright, everybody, come here. Cousins, cattle, brothers, kids. Line up right here. i got something to talk about. We're all leaving this country. And I want you to go somewhere that I'm not even going to tell you about right now. No. Talk to one person. Abraham. Adam and Eve. Did he wait for Adam and Eve to both be there? Nope. He said, Adam, here's what you're going to do. You're going to tend the garden, keep the garden, cultivate the garden, be fruitful and multiply. Then he created Eve. So whose responsibility is it to carry the information down? Adam, Jesus ain't, God ain't having the whole conversation all over again. Okay? So, man has a responsibility now to communicate with his wife and let him know this is what God wants to do in our family. This is what God wants to do in our lives. You carry that down. Okay? So, to live according to the flesh, you have your mind set on the flesh. What's that mean? To... If I'm going to live, if I'm going to set my mind on my desires and my thinking and what I want to do flesh-wise, then that's what I'm going to carry out. That's what I'm going to live out. That's what I'm going to do. That's where God has given the instruction, is to the Spirit. And so now the Spirit has to give that instruction to the flesh and cause the flesh and the mind to line up. But the mind has to be set on what the Spirit wants to do. I mean, I would be wrong to say that your spirit doesn't want to do God's will because your spirit always wants to do God's will. Your spirit is right, in, right alongside with what God wants done in your life. Your spirit knows it all. Your spirit knows what you'll be doing five years from now. Your spirit will know. Your spirit knows what it's doing ten years from now. It's already been revealed. The problem is, is we've got to get this lined up. The mind. Okay? There's a chain reaction. It starts with your spirit, then your mind... Then your flesh. Okay? But we got this thing where the spirit takes the back seat. And then we put our mind on the flesh. And then we just end up living that. And so that's where this struggle is coming in. For those who live according to flesh. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit. The things of the spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. Remember last week, we looked at that word carnal, and we said that to be carnal simply means to respond to things the way the world responds to things. That's what it means to be carnal. So, if someone talks bad about you, how do people in the world respond? Talk bad about them. So, to be carnal, carnal people are saved people. You can't be carnal and unsaved. It's not possible. Because the word carnal means to act like the world even though you are saved. Okay? And as a baby in Christ, when we first come into the kingdom, you're carnal. That just means that I still have to train myself at putting my flesh down. That's what that means. Okay? So that's what a carnal mind is. To be carnally minded is death. To to have a mind that's always set on the world and always set on fleshly desires and always on what always uh, set on what my flesh wants to do. That's be, to be that's carnally minded. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you would rather have life and peace over death? Amen. Okay, just checking. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is actually against that word enmity means enemy. Sounds a lot like it. it means it's an enemy of God. Your carnal mind wants nothing to do with with God and in fact refuses and rejects everything that God is about. That's your carnal mind. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we have the responsibility to set our mind. We have the responsibility There is an enemy in the world, and he is out there to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. Well, how do we walk in that life versus stealing death and destruction? It's up to you. You know, um, I was talking with someone the other day, and I said, you know, it it could be tough being a pastor, because it's really one of the few jobs in life, where you make your living and it's a career of telling people stuff they don't want to hear. Bottom line. Now, what I mean by that is, you are all right now in flesh suits and in vessels that care nothing about what I'm saying and don't want to do anything that I'm telling you to do. I'm the same way. I'm talking to your spirit. That's the great thing about it. I'm not talking to your flesh. You just go ahead and put your flesh down. Go ahead and sit him down and say, look, I don't care what you want to do. On the inside, who I really am wants to please God. On the inside, who I really am wants life and peace and not death. Death is just separation. Okay? So, everything I'm saying right now, you on the outside wants nothing to do with it. You don't want to hear what I'm telling you. I'm telling you to stop doing that. And on the outside, you want to keep doing that. On the, on the inside, you want to put it down. Okay? So I'm not talking about a, a, there's a magic pill or a magic button that's just all of a sudden you're just going to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to want to do the thing that you know you're supposed to do and you're going to want to just stop doing. I'm not saying that. We're talking about a struggle and there is a struggle. But we have victory and we have an answer in the struggle. I don't focus on the struggle. I don't focus on the battle. Okay? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because now we're about to locate the battle. We're about to figure out where is this battle taking place. Because there is a battle. There's a war. Let's find out where it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Look, there are man. There are times that I'd like to put my hands on the devil, physically, and just go at it. Wouldn't we all? Don't we wish that the devil was someone, and yeah, we probably know a lot of people that act like the devil. And I'm telling you, that's not the devil. The devil is a spirit being, okay? So, I can't put my hands on him. I can't take care of this thing naturally. I can't get naturally strong enough. The thing that you're battling, whatever it is in the natural, that's not really what you're battling. See, that's why when people come against me or accuse me or falsely accuse me of wrong or talk bad about me, I don't pay no attention to it. Because I'm not battling them. That's not my battle. Me and you, that's not the problem. Me and the spirit you're allowing yourself to be given to is the problem. That's the real problem. I've had plenty of people talk bad about me, talk behind my back. You know what? I could walk in love with them today as if they did nothing to me. Because who I'm really battling is a spirit behind. Remember Jesus, when he was confronted with Peter, Peter came to him, Jesus was telling him, I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to rise again, tell him the whole ending. And Peter said, Lord, let it not be. And what did Jesus turn around and say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Was he calling Peter Satan? No. He was talking to the spirit behind what Peter was saying. This battle is not of flesh and blood. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, a lot of us are trying to do things in the natural to keep us from doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing in the natural. Come on, I mean, we've all got things that we're trying to put down or things that we're trying to do better at, and so we're naturally trying to do things to fix it. But the real problem isn't natural. The real problem is spiritual. Our weapons of of our warfare are not carnal, That means natural. But mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, which means you can't do it in the natural. Whatever you're trying to defeat, whatever you're trying to overcome, you can't do it with just natural abilities. We need to get some supernatural. We need to get something on the inside helping us to conquer this thing on the outside. Okay? Verse 5. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what we are to do. Every thought. This battle takes place somewhere beyond what we see and what we touch and what we feel. I mean, all of us right now could probably name something in our life that we could do without or that we're trying to fight and put down. In the natural. And you know where you overcome it? In your mind. By the spirit. Your spirit is stronger, is where you build it up, but the place that you defeat it is in the mind. The mind is where the battle is... Where the battle takes place and where the battle is won or lost. I'll just take finances, for example. That's one that, you know, most of us, no matter how good you are with finances or whatever, we can all get there. If you want to change your life financially, we have to do something naturally. But, according to this verse, That's not the answer. If I want to change something naturally, I don't just limit myself, or if I want to change my finances in the natural, I don't just limit myself to doing things better naturally, but continuing to think the way I used to think about finances. So what do I need to do? I need to change my mindset on finances. I need to figure out what God's Word says about finances. I need to find out what God's Word says to do With my finances. I need to find out what God's word says about being a good steward. I need to find out what God's word says about being a tither and giving. I need to find out what God's word says about seeking first the kingdom. Because I can try to do everything right naturally. I can go get a savings account and start investing and try to do all these things naturally. But if I still have an improper mindset on finances, then I will lose that battle because i haven't taken care of the root. See, all we're doing is we're just picking weeds. But what's underneath the weed? The root. And so all we do is we pick the weed and we think, "All right, I got it. You feel better about it." And then a month, 3 months, 6 months, 3 years, pops back up again. Why? Cuz we didn't take care of the root. Let's get under there and take care of the root. Let me put it this way. The enemy does not attack you with sickness. The enemy does not attack you in your finances. The enemy does not attack you with depression. The enemy does not attack you in the natural area. He only has access to one place your mind. As a born again believer, he has no access to your body, he has no access to your money, he has no access to your marriage. He has no access to your home. He has no access to your kids. But what he does have access to is your mind. He has access to how you think about your health. He has access to how you think about your finances. He has access to how you view your marriage. He has access to how you raise your kids. He has access to the root. And so here we are. Man, you know, my my, my kids are just... Uh, you know, my kids are just crazy and, you know, I, I'm trying to do everything naturally. I'm putting them in counseling or I'm, uh, you know, trying to raise them right. I'm going to counseling. I'm going to parenting classes, blah, 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 blah. But what's the root issue? We need to get take care of the root issue. What does God's Word say about raising my children? Well, you know, I'm trying to do everything right naturally with my finances. You know, I'm trying to open up saves. I'm trying to do better about spending less. I'm, and I'm trying to, uh, you know, change my, my habits with what I buy. And, but what does God's Word say? Because if we're not giving to what He says to give to and we're not being obedient with the finances and doing what He says to do with money, then we're just going to be picking weeds. That's all we're doing. And the enemy doesn't have access to any of that. We're not even fighting him where he's really attacking. He's attacking here, and we're trying to fight him out here. We're trying to answer back with natural things. And the Bible says, we just read, that the battle is not with flesh and blood. You know, I'm, you know my marriage is just in shambles and you know my my wife just can't get it right you know and and, and you no know, i just can't seem to treat her right she's not the enemy he's not the enemy the enemy is satan satan is trying to get in your mind and trying to change your view of marriage and trying to trying to reshape what marriage is all about and what love is all about and and, and what a godly home should look like that's where he's attacking so you see the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is within you. His rule and His authority is within you, identifying these things. Remember, we said that that's conviction. That's not condemnation. The Holy Spirit isn't picking on you. I wish He would just leave me alone. I wish He would just stop telling me I need to do, stop doing that. I wish He would stop telling me I need to do that. I wish he, That's not what He's doing. He is convicting you to remind you this is who you really are. This is the power you really have. But we don't spend time developing that relationship and cultivating that relationship and getting to know who the Holy Spirit is. And so we're just stuck fighting these battles naturally. We're just stuck trying to save up more money. We're just stuck trying to yell at our kids as much as we can. We're just stuck trying to go home to a terrible home and a terrible marriage. When God's saying, I've placed the Holy Spirit within you, And with the Holy Spirit comes my kingdom, my authority, and my rule to bring those things in alignment. And so now you can fight this battle the way it should be fought, according to my word. See, the Holy Spirit and the word, they're not two separate things. They're not two separate things. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you something that doesn't line up with his word. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to move somewhere that there's no church. Church comes first. The Holy Spirit's not going to uh, tell you to uh, do anything that doesn't agree with the Word of God. If you ever have a question, is that the Holy Spirit or not, look in the Word. Does it line up with what God's Word says? We've got to understand that the Holy Spirit, when He speaks to us, it's not aside from the Word. And it goes to the same thing if someone's giving you a prophecy. If someone's prophesying over your life, and they're just telling you a bunch of stuff that just doesn't line up with God's will for your life, you know, a lot of people get thrown off because of people that aren't as spiritual as they think they are. And they start telling people about their life and start telling them... You know, I believe God's got this for you. And it doesn't line up with anything that God's You gotta know. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. You're not alone in this thing. We're not we're not having to float through life and just guess. Is that what God wants for me? Is that God is that what God wants? Go to His Word. Does it bear witness with your spirit? And I've had people prophesy over me that they said, You're gonna be a a, a, a missionary to the nations. No, I'm not. I have no desire to go to the nations. I have no desire to go to the world. Sorry. I'm not saying that everything that God asked me to do is going to align with my desires. Okay? But it will bear witness with you. Amen. But, you know, some people, they get thrown off and say, Oh, I guess I'm supposed to go to the nations. I guess I'm supposed to go to Africa with, with the little kids and, and help feed the poor there. And the whole time you're hating it and it's because someone missed it. Because we've got to know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and we can rightly divide that. You know, We've got we to be smarter than that. We've got to know if God's really calling us and if God's really speaking to us. We've got to know. And that just comes by cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit because guess what? The Holy Spirit knows your future a lot better than so-and-so. Okay, and The Holy Spirit knows you a lot better than so-and-so. I mean, you know, someone tries to tell me at the age of 28 that I'm going to be a missionary when I've had it in my heart to be a pastor since I was five years old. uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going to have to question whether you really heard, you know. Um, And sometimes you may hear things uh, that, you know, they kind of sum up with the Bible, but then there's little things here and there that just don't line up. Uh, Brother Hagen called it uh, "chew the hay and spit out the sticks." Take what you can and throw the rest out. I mean, we we got to learn to grow in the Word and 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 understand these things. I mean, even when you're listening to to other ministers or other preachers, because there's there's some people that say all kinds of funny stuff. Okay, but we gotta we gotta know the Holy Spirit as it lines up with the Word of God. That's what we gotta know, and that's what's gonna help us overcome these battles every time. Um, we, we don't look at this thing as a struggle. I, I tell people that. Don't, don't say you're struggling with depression. Don't say I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. Because then all you do is you just focus on the struggle, the struggle, the struggle. Call yourself an overcomer. Confess that I have the joy of the Lord. Confess that uh, I can do all things through Christ. Confess what the, what, I mean, those verses are in there for a reason. And Paul wasn't just saying that about himself. I can do all things through Christ. I don't know about you. No, he's saying, if Christ is in you, then you have Christ's ability within you to overcome anything. When he said, I am more than a conqueror, he wasn't just writing a letter bragging to the church and saying, hey guys, I'm more than an overcomer. Maybe one day you'll be as much of an overcomer as me. But I'll always be more of an overcomer than you because that's what I wrote in the Bible. He's not talking... This is stuff we can apply to... Our lives. What good is this book if we're just reading about someone else's life and how they got to do something with the Bible, but we never got to do anything with it? Do something with God's Word? I mean, what good is it to read about Abraham and all the tests and trials that he went through and how he stayed faithful to God's Word and came out on top if we can't do that in our life ourselves? No, this Word is applicable to our life today. And so that's what we need to apply. Don't focus on the negative. Don't focus on the struggle. Don't focus, well, I'm just a weak person. I just can't keep from sinning. You can keep from sinning because you're a child of God. You have God's kingdom living within you. You have the Holy Spirit giving you the ability. He's called a helper. I mean, He's not just in you to help you know right from wrong. He's in you to help you do right from wrong. Okay? If the Holy Spirit is just there to tell me every time I screw up and every time I jack something up, well, then I could do without that, to be honest with you. I can figure out my own faults and failures on my own. But He's there to help me get it right the next time. That's the great thing about the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need training and teaching. I don't know how many of you have heard training and teaching on the Holy Spirit or even like this, but this is needed. I mean, of the one person out in the Trinity that's with us, I mean, why don't we get to know that person? Why don't we get a clued in on who he is and how he's helping us, how he works with us, how he is our helper, how he is our advocate? Why is he always telling me what I'm doing wrong? Why is he always trying to tell me what I'm doing, when to do right? Because he wants you to live out the character of the kingdom of God. Amen? Father, we thank You for Your Word this evening.